It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show, Terrell Calder. And she is here to talk about a new stop-motion animation short film that she just had premiered at <laughs> TIFF. And it is entitled... Beneath the Hidden Island of Ethics. And so it is a pleasure to have uh, Terrell here to talk about it and uh, say congratulations uh, to have her world premiere at TIFF. Welcome to the show, Terrell. It's my pleasure and thank you. It's very exciting. Yeah, well, speaking of very exciting, uh, you just came off of uh, your world premiere at TIFF. How did it go? It, you know, it, it was. it's my first time being in an audience or even on mm. a stage two years so mm. there's some kind of magic mm. happening it was quite a haul i think the screening of all the shorts in our program was about three hours long wow. um amazing work amazing people and i th- i think that especially when you get on the festival circuit and film after film mm. I, I think you know this time everyone was really appreciative of being there and really getting real-time reactions from the crowd like how they're you know, taking in the film. Mm. And I, I was uh, very nervous, but I did hear some applause for mine. I really, <laughs> really appreciated it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking to the nerves and things that get to people uh, as they're there. And, and it is nice that some of these things were reopened for TIFF. I know I heard a lot of talk around, you know, last year, of course, everything was virtual and, and shut down. And, and so some of the things opened up again this year. And you just mentioned the film circuit as well. And I'm glad you mentioned that because your film, uh, for those people that, that missed it at TIFF, it's going to go on to a number of other things. You're, you're going to be at the Vancouver International Film Festival. You're in the Ottawa International Film Festival, Imaginative uh, Film Festival, which is coming up. So there's, there's some other opportunities for people to, uh, to catch your film. No, it's very exciting. Um, I love it. I, I think the rest of the festivals are, as we know, online, mm. as far as we know, online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens as things slowly open up and then quickly they'll say, grab your bag, come. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed now. You yeah. can come and, and hang out with actual real people. So yeah. we'll, oh. we'll see. Yeah, isn't it? It is crazy, isn't it? Because one moment uh, things open up, then they close down. It, it really leaves us in this very precarious sort of a situation. But hey, we're in unprecedented territory as far as uh, COVID-19 and, and all these variants that keep popping up and things. So we're yeah. trying to keep ourselves safe as well as everyone else, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, that's the most important thing. It, it's selfish as a director because you do want to get the audience's yeah. reactions, engage in dialogue, you know, I, but I mean, I, I didn't want to sit on the film any longer. I mm. really want it out there. Um, you know, in the end, it's, it's, it's an experience you have with the film and not the filmmaker. So mm. I'm happy that it's now in the world. So, yeah. Uh, I like what you just said about that as well. Uh, and we'll, I want to come back to that in a minute, just to reintroduce the film. It's Beneath the Hidden Island of Ethics. It's a stop-motion animation film that you created. And uh, as I said off the top, Beneath is a... Animation of moment. Thank you. Which is island in the, in the language. And so what you were just saying about putting it out in the world... Well, I, my background is in visual art mm. and it really, uh, the experience with film, 100%. Like, I love that all of my films have a life of their own. Mm. They teach me things. They mm. make friends that come <laughs> back to me. Some people 
uh, treat my films like they're uh, like I didn't make them, like mm. they're their own entity, and wow. they explain them to me. So it's it's actually quite fascinating. It's really really a child. Yeah, absolutely. Now Manith, of course, features uh, a child. Uh, the the main character is, is Baby Girl. Uh, tell me more about how this came about. I was really interested in creating a film about ethics, mm -hmm. uh, and I knew that was loaded. And I also am not a professor, or I didn't study ethics in school. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, a POV from a child uh, because mm. she can take these things on. I think with a, with an innocence where there's um, some forgiveness for her misinterpretation, because you know childhood is a lot about interpreting. Mm. Um, contradictory things and try to make sense of them so it was really important for me to have a vessel and she's a vessel that you're i, I hope <laughs> that 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 you're empathetic towards and want to engage with her on this journey mm. uh, i think you, you 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 do a very good job of that and i, I want to also let people know that uh, not, not only are you the creator of this you you narrate it you also are the the animator um and uh you do an number of other things with the film as well <laughs> <laughs> yes my background is in art so i never really learned how to delegate mm. <laughs> and i really um i, I mean I, I love sharing the films but my real passion is learning and i do compositing i sculpt mm. the dolls i make the sets and and i, I have to tell you i love I've had over the years people um, wanting to come on board to to help me augment things. I have a really hard time giving that away. Mm. You know, I, I enjoy the process so much, mm. all of the seasons of it. Mm. And and my hope is that uh, as an artist, all of those things intact is making some kind of weird new hybrid. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. That's my hope. <laughs> you, you know, you mentioned earlier about how once these are out in the world, that they really do become their own entity and, and uh, have a life of their own, that sometimes they bring back and, and make friends. I thought that was a really interesting line. Um, but what it made me think about was Baby Girl. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is the actual uh, character that you created for this film. And where will how will baby girl be treated by you the the actual little character that you created not that not in the film but the actual little character that you created what do you what do you have in mind for baby girl uh do you mean physically yeah. or yeah <laughs> I don't, I, I'm dreadful. I'm a, a dreadful artist because I make things. I'm so passionate about them. And then I tend to just, you know, as long if someone could take it out of my hands after I'm done, because I'm always on to the next thing. Mm. I don't really sit and revel in what I've okay. created. Yep. Uh, and I'm always excited about the next project. And sure. I'm working on an, another project with Alanis Obamselman. So I'm all obsessed about that. And yeah. it becomes my, my new passion. The doll itself, I think is going, we're in talks right now for it to go to the, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this yet. Okay. It they might don't. go to a gallery. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask how long it took for you to put this together? Uh, I think I met my producer, Yelena Popovic, uh, at the Berlin Festival in 2016. Mm. And, and then we uh, kind of got to talk. So it was sort of a slow start. But the overall production took about three years. Mm. So the bulk of the animation happened during lockdown. Mm. Oh, yeah. Now, you're doing stop-motion animation, and I have never done that, but I hear it is extremely <laughs> labor-intensive. Yes. You, you always know that 
the person is uh, <laughs> is crazy um, <laughs> immediately. Uh, no, no, I, I, I mean, I don't think I could have done it when I was younger. To tell you the truth, I was a performance artist. It had to be really immediate. Right. And there's something really amazing melting into to, uh, this timeless. You know, it's kind of like you slow down time mm. and and try to get a performance intact, yeah. which yeah. could take about ten hours. Sure. So, I mean, ultimately animators are the actors yep. uh you know cinematographers uh we stage it you know the art of movement there's a lot that go i mean sure i basically walk sideways for two years while i'm trying to think about uh how, how to constantly inject a performance into into the movement right it's it's a lot of work and and i collect which my pr- producer i've actually never worked with the nfb before this is the first time i've worked oh, yeah. with them wow. and i've created about 10 films so i i really don't know a lot of other animators and it's kind of refreshing to know that i collect 20 seconds a day and that's actually not bad mm. <laughs> for an animator mm. <laughs> That's great to hear. I really found that comment you just made about walking sideways interesting. Um, <laughs> but but the other thing is, I'm wondering what you have learned from not only this project, but from other projects that you have done with stop motion animation and, and the movement and the human body or human expression through what you've done. It's amazing. The art of movement. I, I teach uh, in community a lot of youth because I, I, I actually had a lot of shame about my first film uh, because I didn't know how to animate, but mm. uh, I was going to make an animated film and I thought, oh, this is terrible. But, you know, from point A to point B, as long as you kind of define your reality of movement, it, it can work. You know, you don't have to be an amazing animator from the start to mm. start animating. Mm. Um, but over the last few years, especially, you know, learning from other people in the last few years that, you know, there's only so much you can do on your own and I am self-taught, but learning the, the, the art of movement, uh, is so intricate contrapposto where the weight is when you stand on one foot, what the spine does, mm. the tra- you know, the transfer, the emotion, um, you know, I've had some guidance, especially how to get, how to make it a bit more, um, believable mm-hmm. i suppose mm-hmm. i don't use any some animators will use uh, a reference guide or rotoscoping mm-hmm. um and i yep. don't because i i like kind of the poetry of movement to see what's going to evolve i don't want to be stuck mm-hmm. to an actor's performance mm-hmm. um yeah i, I learn. i mean if you want to be an animator, you're in it to learn. And I'm always learning something brand new and I'm excited and I never want to make the same film twice. You know, I want mm. to be challenged. Yeah. And, and this film, uh, I, I, it taught me so much. It taught me so much. It's a, it's a, it's a film I made out of love and, and not just dis- like a lot of artists. So you have to be dark and in despair. This film was made out of love, mm. even though it's such an amazingly dark journey. Um, it was a joy to create. Well, the journey, uh, you know, that you're, you, you of course refer to in the film and that we are taken on, it, it, it does take on some very big topics and it yeah. also 
takes us into a very intimate personal relationship with baby girl. You know, it's very much almost uh, at some points you feel like it's the uh, good devil, bad devil on the shoulders kind of thing, you know, um, because of the way you, you have, have uh, set this up and the things that, that are being uh, um, brought towards her. But I, I really liked uh, for people that, that, you know, are going to see this and I recommend everybody does. Uh, it's about 20 minutes long, correct? Uh, just about yes. Yeah. That's right. So um, the the overall kind of things that you get to see through the through the film, uh, you get to see the contrast between the seven deadly sins, and you you uh, bring that through in terms of both English and the language because uh, of how you bring that that out, and uh, and it's really interesting to see throughout this whole thing it's just a wonderful little little process that we, we get to see and yes it is dark but it's done be, because we see this through baby girl's eyes and we we get to see her uh go through this and um and she's and it, very brave <laughs> yeah yeah she really is and and it's really wonderful to hear her say the words you know without giving too much of a spoiler alert you know this is not my fault um you know and it's so wonderful to hear that as as she uh comes to that realization later on through the story. Yes. Yeah. I want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And my guest here on the show is Terrell Calder, and she is the animator behind the film Beneath the Hidden Islands uh, of Ethics. And uh, it is uh, just, just had its world premiere at TIFF. It's going to be going on to several other film festivals, including the Ottawa International Animated Film Festival. That's from September 22nd to October the 3rd. The Vancouver International Film Festival, and they're in their 40th uh, f- festival this year. That's from October 1st to the 11th. And then you can catch it at Imaginative, and that runs from October 19th to the 24th. So it's a pleasure to have Terrell here talking about Beneath the Hidden Island of Ethics, this animated film. So tell me more about the idea that... Um, of the the sins, the seven deadly sins, and going back and forth, and 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 pulling on the language, and 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 because really they are counterpoints of each other, and you're you're getting thrown one of the seven deadly sins, but then you're thrown the opposite of that, and 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 that's what we're really seeing a lot of is those opposites and trying to understand those opposites and how they work within us all, not only for baby doll but through for all of us, and and how the things that that we get uh, thrown at our, our in our own lives uh, and how we interpret them and how how we we are going to look at these things because to some degree it is our choices that we have to make. Yeah, the the impetus for making this film uh, it was that uh, I wanted to talk about um, colonial systems, which mm-hmm. is a very dry subject to take on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's especially now, uh, there's been a lot of push for equity in those systems. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't understand what it takes to fit into those systems mm. or what that voice in our head is telling mm. us, mm. you know? And, and so I was really obsessed with the idea of augmented reality oh, yeah. and there will be a version of this film uh, that will go to gallery after um after the release, uh, well, once it does its its uh, tour of the single channel film, mm. and I wanted the viewer to have 
uh, kind of a look into a voice that you don't know. Because there's often a misinterpretation um, that I've experienced is that, oh, you don't know better. And if only you could, mm. you know, then you'll fit into this system. And mm. it's like, well, I, I do know differently. Like it, I was trying to not necessarily set up a dichotomy between those two systems. Mm. I was really trying to introduce another one. Mm. You know, uh, it wasn't necessarily because there's lots of indigenous peoples that are Christian yep. uh, and have different faiths. Sure. It's, it's the idea that, you know, there are other ways of being a good person. Um, right. You know, something in my culture is that you don't make um, eye contact for too long because it's right. rude. Yeah. And, and it's the opposite way in other systems. Right. So that there's it, it's a cultural practice. It's ethics. It's it's so much more than that, and it, and instead of always giving people the tools how to incorporate that into the systems, I wanted to give them to give them a sense of what it feels like. Mm. Those contradictions as you navigate the world, right? It's like you have to do it this way, and then it's like, but I know that I should do it this way. I mean, something that I often get is that, you know, that they people tend to think that my humility is because I'm not. Uh, proud of who I am uh, and what I do but my humility is I understand everyone's humanity and this is just where I put my effort Mm. and this is what I create I don't think I'm any more special than anybody else but it doesn't mean that I'm weak or small you know so so there's always these so so make a film that takes on all of these issues Um, it was hard (laughs) it was very difficult so I thought I would follow the syllabus of using the seven deadly sins and the seven sacred teachings and, and kind of almost have Jesus and Nokomis as her, as her parents. Mm. And that they both really want the best for her, mm-hmm. um, but they have different ways about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Cause we don't get that sense, as you say, um, from either of them about uh, being, you know, hit over the head with, you have to do it this way kind of thing. It, it's, they, they both present um, their their sides and what they want to teach and and bring to their to baby doll's life. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting. Um, being that baby doll, of course, is a, is a, a child and and a young person themselves, the timing of this, of course, is is very interesting. Uh, of course, because of, of the recent findings of the unmarked graves across Canada in at several former residential school sites. Yes, I was thinking about that this morning uh, as, as it pertains to this film. There, this film gives a lot of room for people to bring issues to it mm-hmm. because it deals with ethics yep. and the idea of what it means to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, my fear is that I'm trying to talk about changing colonial systems. Right. And, and, and in my gut, I was like, how do I express why this film isn't about that Mm. because it wasn't about changing residential school systems because that was genocide. That wasn't us trying to fit into a broken system. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so I'm, but within that, I think that there's a lot of healing, um, what people bring to it. It's always amazed, amazing to me, especially people who are Christian, uh, really feel uh, passionate 
about how it, it, it's uh, talking about Christianity uh, in a negative way. It's what people bring to the, the film. Mm-hmm. I find the most fascinating because then it, they'll say, this is a film about, you know, blank. And I would never deny anyone that experience. Mm-hmm. I, I find it really interesting. And because it's so broad, I'm happy people can find themselves into it. So if somebody finds healing in it, I love that, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess it also depends on, like you said, it's not only what a person brings to it, but how uh, open-minded the person is around what they are seeing. Right? Yeah. If they if they bring a, nev- a negative interpretation to the idea that, oh, uh, Christianity has had such a negative impact on uh, the indigenous culture, as we know, through the residential school system, then mm. there may be that automatic negative um, it's true. You know, that, that yeah. uh, and I've argued with people about that. It's really funny because Jesus is the only one that really takes care of like baby girl. He washes her, he talks mm. to her, he scolds her, mm. but, but, but he comes out of a place of love. Like mm. he really does. And I, and I was very careful to, to create it that way. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now the other thing, you know, about yourself, because we haven't mentioned this and I, and I've, kind of sort of done this deliberately your own background is is metis you were born in fort francis ontario and i didn't introduce you as a metis artist i'm wondering how you like to be introduced yourself do you like to be because you know there's always even that is is sometimes uh some people want to be known as the artist who happens to be metis or first nation or whatever it is and you know some people don't really mind being introduced as you know the indigenous or you know a person first and and then the artist kind of thing or the person no i'm 100 percent proud to be indigenous mm-hmm. you know it's part of my experience it's it's why i'm compelled to tell the stories that i tell i'm part of an amazing community trying to make change with these stories i am tarot calder metis from the fort <laughs> that's how i grew up mm-hmm. and uh no, I, I, I honor that. Right. Now, you mentioned, I'm not sure how much you can share about this, but you mentioned uh, going on to your next project, which uh, happens to be with uh, Alanisa Bonsuin. And I'm just wondering, if is there is anything you can share around that at all? I can. I'm actually working on two projects with her. Um, one is, uh, it's with the Glenn Gould Foundation. She's this year's laureate and mm-hmm. she's going to be honored on October 4th. Mm-hmm. Because of COVID, they're doing things a little bit differently. And I've commissioned to create a digital mapping, um, light and sound projection show. So the film I'm just wrapping up right now during TIFF, so it means I'm so busy, <laughs> is, going to, uh, is going to premiere on October 4th. And it'll be projected onto the exterior of the old section of the ROM in Toronto. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember being in uh, Quebec City for their 400th anniversary. Mm. <laughs> and the, I don't know if you were there or if you saw her, but that was an amazing uh, show that they had right across the entire sort of uh, waterfront, I guess, of all the buildings with uh, with uh, illuminations and film and, and, and pictures and, and all kinds of things with sound that reverberated throughout the whole city, uh, downtown uh, city area. It was quite something to see. It's, it's amazing. I did see a show in Ottawa, but I don't remember who did it or why it was there. I was passing and I, this is fascinating. This is amazing. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it and learning new things again and learning new things. Right. And that's, you say that's going to be October 4th? That's right. 
And that's going to be on the old uh, ROM. That's right. Cool. And uh, and so that's obviously going to be for the public to come down and watch. Do we know what time? I don't know off the top of my head, but I know it has to happen when it's dark. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on how soon the sun is dropping. <laughs> they have a lot of publicity out. I'm oh, sure I'm you. sure they do. And yeah. I'm sure we'll hear about it in that regard. Um, and how long of a piece might that be? It's going to be 10 minutes long, but, yes. and it will be presented on a loop. Uh, sorry, be pre- presented? Uh, on a loop so oh, it'll yes. be loot so oh, yeah nice. so if you miss it the first time yep. <laughs> there'll be another time that's great it sounds very exciting and it's you know i think it's really wonderful to see the use of of uh building faces uh for these kinds of projections and things there there really are naturally wonderful um, um walls that we can utilize aren't they Absolutely. It, it makes the city come to life. It's yeah, it crazy. does. Well, that's wonderful. So that's one of the projects. Uh, did you mention the other one? I, I, I best not. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to keep us in suspense about that one. But congratulations on that. That's great. A couple of projects Thanks. with Elanice and, and uh, she and herself uh, being, uh, being recognized uh, for all the wonderful, wonderful uh, and thought-provoking and, and uh, work that she has done over the years to bring uh, subjects of major concern uh, around First Nation issues uh, to life and, and uh, be recognized for that. She's done such an amazing job yeah she, you know she's our matriarch she's she's an extraordinary human being that i have had the pleasure to get to know and work with mm-hmm. and yeah i mean just be inspired by i'm yeah we're grateful that there's an alan so in in the world aren't we <laughs> that that is for sure. Um, now, just before we finish up, I want to mention again that uh, Maneath, the Hidden Island of Ethics, is going to be shown at three other film festivals, although it just finished at TIFF for its world premiere. It's going to be going on to the Ottawa International Film Festival. That is from September 22nd to October the 3rd. Vancouver International Film Festival, celebrating their 40th, 40th uh, festival, and that is from October 1st to the 11th, and then Imagination and that is from October 19th to the 24th. Now, um, Zeril, you were mentioning that you believe all of these remaining film festivals are uh, going to be virtual, so online, but uh, that could change and you may find yourself uh, getting on a plane or a train or something and and going out to these festivals. Um, But if they are, of course, online and virtual, there'll still be, I'm sure, some interaction. You may have some some uh, post-show Q&A or things like that? It, it, every, it's, it's fascinating how every festival has their own way to the response to COVID and how to do things online. So I think at Ottawa, there will be a live Q&A. Um, I've pre-recorded one for Imaginative and we're pre-recording one for uh, Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, this week. So. Okay. So I'm not, I, I, I just, if they want me there, I just come. So I, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it's, real, it's been really fascinating speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show, but also uh, for this wonderful uh, little film that uh, stop motion animation that you put together entitled Beneath the Hidden Island of Ethics, which just had its premiere, world premiere at uh, TIFF. And of course, Beneath is island in the Anishabemowin language. And, um, 
and and wish you all the best of this with uh, its future uh, showings uh, in Ottawa, Vancouver, and at Imaginative, and all the work that you're going to be doing uh, coming up with uh, Alanis and uh, your your future endeavors. And I certainly hope we can have you back on the show at another time. Uh, thank you so much, David. It's been my absolute pleasure. All right. Well, you take care and all thank the best. You. All right. And that is the voice of Tyrell Calder. She is a Métis artist that utilizes darkly beautiful stop-motion animation to lay bare baby girls' inner turmoil with unflinching honesty in her new film, Beneath the Hidden Island of Ethics. That is this portion of the show. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show Kathy Lobla. She is the president and CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities Canada, and she's here to talk about Ronald McDonald uh, House Charities as well as McHappy Day, which is Wednesday, September 22nd. And there are some special things happening this year. I believe, Kathy, if I'm not mistaken, it is the 40th year of the opening of the Toronto uh, uh, chapter. Absolutely. Well, the first Ronald McDonald House in Canada uh, opened in 1981 in Toronto. And today we have 33 Ronald McDonald houses and family rooms coast to coast right across the country. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being on the show to uh, talk to us about the wonderful success and the wonderful things that Ronald McDonald House Charities is doing for families across the country. Yes, it's it's a very special charity. There's no question that um, none of us ever expects to have a sick child. Mm. Uh, but when we do, uh, a Ronald McDonald House provides a safe and caring and supportive place to stay uh, while your sick child's being treated at a nearby hospital. And, um, you know, on an average year, we support over 26,000 families right across the country. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into some of the details of that throughout our conversation and looking more closely within Ontario and breaking that down to where some of the uh, uh, locations are and uh, how that breaks down in terms of families that you're helping within these different areas of Ontario as well. But before we get there, do you mind, you know, as I mentioned, it's it's been 40 years since the, the Toronto chapter opened. Can you tell us something about the Ronald McDonald House Charities idea? How did it come about? Well, I think it's a really special story of community caring and a corporation, in this case, obviously, McDonald, mm. who wanted to make a difference in a local community. And so the first house uh, opened in Philadelphia in the U.S. And then over the years, it has grown to be, you know, an international charity mm. um, in countries right around the world. And, um, you know, Canada was the, the next country that, that opened um, after the first house uh, in 1974 in Philadelphia. So uh, since 1981, uh, we're really pleased to have been able to have grown the mission across the country and just had a community response, quite frankly, of mm-hmm. our local McDonald's franchisees and guests and crew really working together to ensure that families who had a sick child and had to travel to one of Canada's 16 specialty hospitals um, had somewhere to stay and support them on what is always, you know, a difficult and unexpected journey. Mm. Now, I understand this year, uh, it's a little different, if I'm not mistaken, the full menu is going to be available to help support families uh, with every purchase. 
Yes, we're really excited that, um, you know, McHappy Day is back and that, you know, we can come together with our communities and restaurants across the country to enable support for families with sick children and and local communities. And uh, as you said, this year, every menu item sold all day uh, will contribute to supporting Ronald McDonald houses and families with the sick children and our local communities. And we're really excited not only by that, but also by um, some of the fundraising efforts that will be happening with that including uh, being able to purchase McHappy Day Hearts for $2. Mm. And uh, with each heart, um, you will, as a a contributor and a guest, um, receive a special message from one of our alumni families or possibly a Canadian athlete or celebrity, just a a special way of bringing the mission to life. And, uh, of course, everyone really enjoys our McHappy Day socks. They're always a iconic way to celebrate the day and support families from your community and uh, uh, the socks are five dollars and will continue to support throughout the day as well right now i I noticed of course the the focus of course is that the donations go mainly towards the ronald mcdonald house charities to help families but i i see that it also you also uh, i guess some portion of that goes to other charities children's charities Absolutely. You know, part of being a Canadian tradition and a community day is supporting the local community, inclusive of Ronald McDonald houses and families with sick children, but also other local children's charities. So when we look at 2019, we were so pleased that McHappy Day was able to raise $6.6 million mm. in just the one day mm. and uh, $3.5 million supported Ronald McDonald houses um, and our families across the country. And then the balance supported local children's charities and community charities uh, in communities across the country. Wow, that's that's quite significant. Congratulations to uh, to the uh, charities for, for doing that uh, through the purchases. And, and congratulations to everyone that made a donation and bought something, I guess, that day as well. Um, and that can now uh, uh, perhaps be uh, superseded with uh, this event coming up on, uh, on the 22nd of Wednesday, September 22nd. That is uh, that is Make Happy Day, so people can get out there and uh, make those purchases and, and help uh, other families uh, right across the, the country. Now, I also see that... Um, you know, you're supporting, you've supported more than 425,000 families across Canada mm-hmm. and giving them a place to stay. Uh, you know, we, I think we've all seen the commercials on television um, that try to, uh, and do a very good job actually of of uh, uh, bringing families, showing what families are, are doing inside of uh, the Ronald McDonald home, where it actually, you have the families not only giving them a place to stay, but a place to prepare their meals and really make it feel like like home for them. Yeah, there's no question, you know, a Ronald McDonald house is really your home away from home during an unexpected and difficult time. Mm. And uh, inside the beautiful walls of our houses and family rooms, there's kitchens, so families can cook a home-cooked dinner, and Mm. many nights there's volunteers preparing meals. Mm. Uh, There's a movie theater if, you know, you're there for an extended stay. Depending on the house, if you look at Toronto, for example, the average length of stay is 30 days. Wow. Um, And more than half our families are with us multiple times throughout the year. So Mm. it does become your home. Um, Mm. So whether you just need to take a pause and watch a movie, um, there's beautiful laundry rooms, family rooms. uh, The bedrooms are designed to really be a quiet oasis of rest and sleep 
And all of this is either right inside the hospital or just steps to the hospital. So it really enables families to stay together, mm. stay close to each other, um, and also to the close to the health care that their child needs. Because, you know, across Canada, we only have 16 amazing uh, pediatric children's specialty hospitals. Mm. And so, you know, for 65% of Canadians, if your child is sick, you will have to travel because yeah. uh, you don't have, you know, a children's hospital directly in your community. So the houses are really, we often think of them as family wellness centers, you know, a place to recoup and rest, support your child um, and stay together. Mm. You know, I think one of the, the magic parts of the house is you can have your grandma, your grandpa, your aunt, your sibling, you know, the families are all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes the healing experience and the healing journey uh, so much easier. I can well imagine that it would also be so much more comforting for uh, a family to know that they aren't in something like a large hotel or a motel or something where there's other people milling, milling around going about their business, you know, as they would be. And uh, they're able to have this much more intimate surrounding and setting for themselves. Yeah, there's no question, you know, when, when think of when your child, you know, scrapes their knee, how much you want to be close and near to them, and you want to be in a setting that um, allows you um, to be close. And there's the cost, you know, when you think of um, what it costs to live in another city, to leave your job, to leave, you know, extended family and community and Um, be there with your child, you know, and depending on the community, it it can cost up to $38,000 a year Mm -hmm. for a family of four or five um, to be away for 30 days, uh, twice a year. And many of our families are away for much longer than 30 Mm -hmm. days and um, more than twice a year. So, you know, we are so pleased to not a like not only be able to support families emotionally Mm -hmm. um, and physically by being close, but also financially, you know, over in one year, uh, we will save Canadian families more than $48 million um, in out-of-pocket expenses that Mm -hmm. they would have had to spend on lodging or food, you know, other essentials um, that just go with being far from home. Yeah. You know, uh, I I was quite surprised to see this uh, one number in here uh, from the information I was provided that one in four Canadians has either stayed at our Ronald McDonald uh, House uh, Charities home or knows someone who has. Uh, that That's quite a large number, I think. Yeah, it, it's remarkable that over the 40 years that we've been in Canada, um, Today, as you said, one in four Canadians know someone or who has stayed with us. And I think it just speaks to how many of us have an experience with a sick child uh, that we're not anticipating. But when we do, we're so grateful that McDonald's and Ronald McDonald House are there to support us um, and give us a place to get through that journey a little bit easier um, and You know, I think the gift today that we see is now more than ever, thanks to medical advances, uh, children are healing Mm. and children are getting better, which is the best news and what we're all Mm -hmm. hoping for. But the reality is that healing journey takes more treatments over longer periods of time than it ever did. Mm. And often children have comorbidities that, you know, emerge with the process and the journey. And so... We have many cases where families are in and out of the Ronald McDonald House for the duration of their child's 
um, you know, pediatric life cycle. And uh, it's just incredibly important and incredibly wonderful of Canadians uh, to join in supporting us. And, you know, by visiting McAfee Day on the 22nd, as you said, it's a really powerful way uh, to make a small difference that collectively makes a huge difference mm. for the families. Yeah. Uh, now this is maybe slightly off topic, but it's related. Uh, I'm just wondering about the process by which someone goes uh, about to uh, apply to stay at a, at a Ronald McDonald house. Mm-hmm. The way that um, a family comes to stay with us is they are referred through their children's hospital. So the only criteria is distance. You know, we try to support the families from the farthest distance. Right. Um, so each house has slightly different criteria depending on sort of the structure, the, the geographic structure of their province. Mm. Um, but it could be 60 minutes away, 60 or 50 kilometers away. Um, but distance is our single criteria. Right. And then other than that, uh, the hospital refers the family to Ronald McDonald House and then they call. And if we have space, we lovingly welcome them and and try to support them as best we can. If we don't, um, then we have families on a wait list and we try and move them in um, and meet their need as quickly as we can. And how many families would a Ronald McDonald house hold at any one time? Well, it varies. Mm. So um, if we look in Ottawa, for example, the Ronald McDonald house in Ottawa uh, has 14 families every night. Uh, the Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver um, has uh, 73 families each night. Jeez. Toronto oh. has 81 families. Uh, Montreal uh, has 40 families. So it ranges. Um, I would say the average, if we look at London and Hamilton, um, you know, 35, 40 families each night in our homes. Wow, that that's a greater number than I thought you were going to uh, say there. Um, that that again is is uh, something to consider, especially uh, in this time. Uh, and and obviously that shows the need. It definitely yeah, shows the need. It's it's always um, grounding to know that each night we have over five hundred families with us. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and still the need continues. Um, unfortunately. You know, in an average year now, we're turning away over 3,000 families each year. Mm. So, you know, one of the things that McHappy Day does is it supports our continuing operations so that we can be there for families with uh, the capacity that we have. But we're also looking to grow that capacity in the years ahead uh, so that we can serve even more families. Mm. So approximately, I mean, is the idea that 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 McDonald's would like to expand this to the point where there would be a home in every city, let's say? Yes, we currently have a Ronald McDonald house um, in in every province uh, across the country and aligned with each of the children's hospitals. Mm. So that's really what determines the footprint is proximity to the children's hospitals. We have 16 children's hospitals across the country. Yes. And so the expansion is likely to be more capacity in yes. bedrooms in yes. those locations. Um, and so, as I said, right now we have 539 bedrooms mm-hmm. uh, between our houses and our family rooms, as we call them, which are actually right inside the hospital. Mm. And, uh, you know, we are looking to, to grow that um, over the next, you know, five to seven years um, 
so that we can serve even more families and bring that wait list down or gone would be the dream that no family would ever be turned away. Right. Uh, thank you for pointing out that about the family rooms versus the houses. Uh, and uh, so the family rooms are in the hospitals. Can you describe the differences between the two then? Absolutely. So a house is, as you would expect, a freestanding house. Mm-hmm. It just happens to have anywhere from 35 to 81 bedrooms. Right. And as I said, kitchens, family rooms, um, all the things you would find in a home that, that make it supportive. A family room is um, located right inside the hospital. So it's almost like a mini house, Mm. but it's inside the hospital. Mm. So uh, each family room is slightly different because it depends on the hospital availability of space and design. Um, But, you know, they're a beautiful space where you may be walking to see your child and you'll look at the end of the hall and you may see a big red door or you may see a door that says Ronald McDonald House Family Room and you'll ring the doorbell and you'll step inside and it's just a beautiful space where you know you get to step away from the beeps and the lights of the hospital Mm -hmm. but you're only a few steps Mm -hmm. and you're in the same building as your child and uh, they have sleep rooms they have um, kitchens Um, i always often think of windsor where we have a screened in porch we have living rooms laundry Um, They really vary anywhere from 1,000 square feet to 5,000 square feet, depending on the space that's available. And they really give families an opportunity, um, you know, during particularly difficult times or when your journey is continuing for an extended period of time to go in and do a load of laundry, have a cup of tea, take a nap. You know, just getting the rest you need without feeling that you're truly leaving um, your child and uh, they're beautiful spaces. Mm. It, it sounds like uh, a wonderful uh, sort of little re- retreat for, for people to go to, to get away, like, as you say, from the hustle and bustle and the, the noises in the hospital and, and be with their own thoughts and be with their family. Uh, it's a wonderful concept, and uh, it, it's it's just this this wonderful idea that's, that's grown. And again, I know you described how the first one started in 1974 in Philadelphia, uh, I'm just wondering, though, it would have been wonderful to to hear that initial conversation around the concept, you know, about the idea of 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 how that came to fruition. You know, the the actual seed that grew to say, hey, guys, I have this idea. What do you think? You know, well, you know, like many things, there are so many heroes and partners that Mm. birthed the ideas you say. But Dr. Audrey Evans, who Mm. was um, the head of the Philadelphia Children's Hospital Mm. and a very special woman, uh, still with us today in her early 90s and as dedicated and engaged as ever. She um, was treating uh, a family. Um, Kim Hill was a a young girl who, um, at the age of three, developed leukemia Mm. Her father, Fred Hill, uh, played for the Philadelphia Eagles, Mm. and um, Fred and Fran had four children, and and Kim was their youngest. And as they were on their journey uh, of healing their sick child, they really noticed how many families were eating out of vending machines and sleeping in Mm. hospital chairs and in their cars, and just how difficult it can be to stay close to your child during this. And so as Kim got better... They talked to Dr. Evans and said, you know, how do we pay it forward and how do we help families um, make this journey easier? And it was Dr. Evans who said, 
you know, medically, we are figuring it out. You know, medical advances and researches research are greater than ever before. But what I really see is what these families need is what these sick children need are their families. They want to have their brother and sister and mom and dad, you know, aunts and uncles close and nearby. And I have a dream hmm. that there would be a Ronald, there'd be a house for families with sick children. Hmm. And so from there, uh, Fred Hill and Dr. Evans spoke with their local McDonald's owner operator and talked about the need of building a house in the community that could support families. And that was the first Ronald McDonald house. And from that, uh, we have grown, I think we're in 85 countries around the world today. And um, it has become, you know, a, a core part of how pediatric health care is delivered, not only in Canada, uh, but in many, many countries around the world. And I often think it's a beautiful example of how, you know, one person and one company and, you know, a caring group can come together to create something uh, that now supports families with sick children in Canada each and every day. And our franchisees and uh, across the country in Canada, you know, hold that same commitment of community and caring um, and support today. And that's why we've been able to grow to where we are today and, and support 500 families, you know, a night here in Canada. Thank you so much for sharing that. I was not aware of that story. And if I was, I'd forgotten it. So I really am, am glad that you refreshed my memory and uh, shared that for other people to hear as well. What a, a wonderful and encouraging story. You're listening to Element FM. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Kathy Lobla. She's the president and CEO of the Ronald McDonald House Charities of Canada. We're talking about McHappy Day and uh, the wonderful things that uh, that has produced over the years to help families uh, with sick children across the country and around the world. And it is coming up on Wednesday, September 22nd. That day is when you make a purchase for any item on the McDonald's menu. It goes to help families with sick children and local children's charities. And um, so it's, it's, you know, get out there and do that. Now, I also noticed that, uh, Kathy, maybe you want to expand on this a little bit, although it doesn't take much expansion because if people cannot get to a McDonald's. Well, there's other ways for them to also donate that day, isn't there? Absolutely. So on Wednesday, you know, you can participate at your McDonald's drive-through um, this year, and you know, every year now, you can have McHappy Day right in your own home by using McDonald's delivery uh, through Skip the Dishes and mm. Uber Eats and DoorDash. Um, you can have a McHappy Day celebration with your family, and of course, you can always use the McDonald's app. Um, and then if you're not able to be with us um, on Wednesday, September 22nd, uh, you can always uh, make a contribution to your local Ronald McDonald House either directly or through rmhc.ca. Um, and as well, you can round up your order. We're so excited that across Canada each and every day, mm -hmm. uh, you can round up your order to the nearest dollar and uh, those funds go directly to the local Ronald McDonald House or family room in your area um, and are just another way of supporting families. And, you know, we're a beautiful country of, of caring Canadians who really do care about our neighbours and our families and uh, having McDonald's a partner in enabling that caring and, and helping us to bring this support to families is, is really special. And mm. we hope you'll be with us on McHappy Day and whatever day way works for you, whether that's 
drive through or delivery or the mm. app. But uh, if not, as you said, please visit us during the year at any of your favorite mm. and local McDonald's restaurant mm. and uh, round up your order. That's a wonderful way to make a donation as well. Yeah, I just want to clarify what you just said there. This, so this is yeah. year round. If you round up your order to the nearest dollar, whatever that round up is over and above your purchase, that mm-hmm. goes directly to the Ronald McDonald uh, House uh, Charities. It does. Wow. It does. It's a really special program um, that's been running for about a year now. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is, is ask your wonderful uh, McDonald's crew to please round up your order. And uh, it'll automatically be done and the funds will support your local house and families from your community. Mm, Wonderful. Now, uh, you did talk a little bit about some of the locations of the Ronald McDonald uh, houses and uh, also the family rooms, which, uh, as you said, the the whole idea of these uh, of these houses are to help uh, children in pediatric care. And that means they are located in the locations where there are pediatric hospitals. And and so when we break that down, there's there's uh, there's one in Toronto, there's one in Ottawa and now South Central Ontario, one record. McDonald House and the two Ronald McDonald family homes in the Hamilton area? Yes, so we have a Ronald McDonald House in Toronto, Mm -hmm. Hamilton, London, Ontario, um, and Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And then as well, we have two family rooms um, in Ottawa at the Chio Hospital. We also have a family room at Sick Kids Hospital Mm -hmm. in uh, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And then we have a family room um, in London as well as well as um, in, where did I miss? London, Toronto, Hamilton, and Ottawa. So they all have family rooms at their partner hospitals as well. And then we're also, of course, in Windsor. Mm. We have a house in a hospital in Windsor, which is our first uh, and only in Canada. Right. And so the idea is that, as you pointed out, because I was not aware of this um, off the top, is that is that these homes are located where there are uh, pediatric care hospitals. And so mm-hmm. expansion, as you pointed out earlier, any expansion that would take place, which is always going on and I, I guess is being looked at because the need is there, as you pointed out, um, would be to expand in the areas where these pediatric hospitals are should another pediatric pediatric hospital open up somewhere then of course I guess you would also look at those locations yeah absolutely you know whether it's expanding a house from you know when I think of London for example that was a 17 bedroom house Mm -hmm. a few years ago we expanded it to 35 bedrooms Mm. Um, you know and right now we're in process in Winnipeg our house in Manitoba um, is expanding and uh, is growing wonderfully from its 14 bedrooms It will soon be 40 bedrooms. And um, our house in Halifax that serves uh, families in Atlantic Canada will also be growing to 36 bedrooms. So we have two houses actively expanding right now. um, And each year, uh, you know, a different house is fundraising and looking to expand so that we can meet that need. You know, what's a bit remarkable to know in Canada is that You know, each year, um, and it's been relatively stable for the last 10 years, um, 1.2 million families um, will have a sick child uh, that um, needs to use the hospital as either an inpatient or an outpatient. And um, within that, uh, there's 55,000 families each year who have to travel um, a significant distance to 
get the health care they need. So, you know, more than 100 kilometers. And uh, as we mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, we are serving about 20% of those families right now. And so there is a significant need, not only in our wait list that we track year over year and mm. shows us, unfortunately, you know, over 3,000 families that we are saying no to, um, but there's a need beyond that as well, because, of course, once our houses are full, um, often the hospitals stop referring. And uh, so we know that that is understated mm-hmm. and, you know, we're committed to, to wanting to grow and um, be there for even more families in the years ahead. All right, Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show and talk about McHappy Day, which is coming up on Wednesday, September 22nd. And as we pointed out earlier this year, Every purchase across the full McDonald's menu goes to support families with sick children and local children's charities. So get out there on Wednesday, September 22nd and do what you can. If you can't, you've heard all the other ways you can contribute. Kathy Lobley is the president and CEO of the Ronald McDonald House Charities in Canada. And it's been my pleasure speaking with her today on this topic. Kathy, thank you once again for joining us. I'm David Moses, your host here on Moment of Truth and Element FM. And we will see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.